Section 30 of The Natural History, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Natural History, Volume 2, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 30. Chapter 25. Fishes which conceal themselves during the summer, those which are influenced by the stars. Other fishes, again, are unable to bear the heat of summer, and lie concealed during the sixty days of the hottest weather of midsummer, such, for instance, as the glaucus, the acellus, and the dorade. Among the river fish, the Solurus is affected by the rising of the dog star, and at other times it is always sent to sleep by thunder. The same is also believed to be the case with the sea fish called Cyprinus. In addition to this, the whole sea is sensible of the rising of this star, a thing which is more especially to be observed in the Bosporus, for there seaweeds and fish are seen floating on the surface, all of which have been thrown up from the bottom. Chapter twenty six the mullet one singular propensity of the mullet has afforded a subject for laughter when it is frightened it hides its head and fancies that the whole of its body is concealed their salacious propensities render them so unguarded that in phoenicia and in the province of gallia narbonensis at the time of coupling a male being taken out of the preserves is fastened to a long line which is passed through his mouth and gills he is then let go in the sea, after which he is drawn back again by the line, upon which the females will follow him to the very water's edge. And so, on the other hand, the male will follow the female during the spawning season. CHAPTER Twenty Seven, THE ASSIPENSER Among the ancients the assipenser was esteemed the most noble fish of all. It is the only one that has the scales turned towards the head and in a contrary direction to that in which it swims. At the present day, however, it is held in no esteem, which I am the more surprised at, it being so very rarely found. Some writers call this fish the elops. CHAPTER Twenty Eight, THE LUPUS, ACELLUS At a later period they set the highest value on the lupus and the acellus, as we learn from Cornelius Nepos, and the poet Liberius, the author of the mimes. The most approved kinds of the lupus are those which have the name of lanate, or woolly, in consequence of the extreme whiteness and softness of the flesh. Of the acellus there are two sorts, the calarius, which is the smallest, and the bacchus, which is only taken in deep water, and is hence much preferred to the former. On the other hand, among the varieties of the lupus, those are the most esteemed, which are taken in rivers. CHAPTER Twenty Nine, THE SCARUS, THE MUSTELLA At the present day the first place is given to the scarus, the only fish that is said to ruminate, and to feed on grass and not on other fish. It is mostly found in the Carpathian Sea, and never of its own accord passes Lectum, a promontory of Troas. Optatus Elipertius, the commander of the fleet under the Emperor Claudius, had this fish brought from that locality, and dispersed in various places off the coast between Ostia and the districts of Campania. 
During five years the greatest care was taken that those which were caught should be returned to the sea, but since then they have always been found in great abundance off the shores of Italy, where formerly there were none to be taken. Thus has gluttony introduced these fish to be a dainty within its reach, and added a new inhabitant to the seas, so that we ought to feel no surprise that foreign birds breed at Rome. The fish that is next in estimation for the table is the mustela, but that is valued only for its liver. A singular thing to tell of, the lake of Brigantia, in Raetia, lying in the midst of the Alps, produces them to rival even those of the sea. CHAPTER Thirty, THE VARIOUS KINDS OF MULLETS AND THE SARGUS THAT ATTENDS THEM Of the remaining fish that are held in any degree of esteem, the mullet is the most highly valued as well as the most abundant of all. It is of only a moderate size, rarely exceeds two pounds in weight, and will never grow beyond that weight in preserves or fish-ponds. These fish are only to be found in the northern ocean, exceeding two pounds in weight, and even there in none but the more westerly parts. As for the other kinds, the various species are numerous. Some live upon seaweed, while others feed on the oyster, slime, and the flesh of other fish. The more distinctive mark is a forked beard that projects beneath the lower lip. The lutarius, or mud-mullet, is held in the lowest esteem of all. This last is always accompanied by another fish known as the sargus, and where the mullet stirs up the mud the other finds aliment for its own sustenance. The mullet that is found on the coast is not highly esteemed, and the most esteemed of all have a strong flavor of shellfish. Fenestella is of opinion that this fish received its name of mullet, mullus, from its resemblance to the color of the red or mullet-colored shoes. The mullet spawns three times a year. At all events, the fry makes its appearance that number of times. The masters in gastronomy inform us that the mullet, while dying, assumes a variety of colors and a succession of shades, and that the hue of the red scales, growing paler and paler, gradually changes, more especially if it is looked at enclosed in glass. Monsieur Apicius, a man who displayed a remarkable degree of ingenuity in everything relating to luxury, was of opinion that it was a most excellent plan to let the mullet die in the pickle known as the garum of the allies, for we find that even this has found a surname, and he proposed a prize for any one who should invent a new sauce made from the liver of this fish. I find it much easier to relate this fact than to state who it was that gained the prize. CHAPTER Thirty One, ENORMOUS PRICES OF SOME FISH Asinius Seller, a man of consular rank, and remarkable for his prodigal expenditure on this fish, bought one at Rome, during the reign of Caius, at the price of eight thousand sesterces. A reflection upon such a fact as this will at once lead us to turn our thoughts to those who, making loud complaints against luxury, have lamented that a single cook cost more money to buy than a horse, while at the present day a cook is only to be obtained for the same sum that a triumph would cost, and a fish is only to be purchased at what was formerly the price for a cook. Indeed, there is hardly any living being held in higher esteem than the man who understands how, in the most scientific fashion, to get rid of his master's property. Licinius Mucianus relates that in the Red Sea there was caught a mullet eighty pounds in weight. What a price would have been paid for it by our epicures, 
if it had only been found off the shores in the vicinity of our city. CHAPTER Thirty Two, THAT THE SAME KINDS ARE NOT EVERYWHERE EQUALLY ESTEEMED. There is this also in the nature of fish, that some are more highly esteemed in one place, and some in another, such, for instance, as the Carassinus in Egypt, the Zeus, also called the Faber, at Gades, the Salpa, in the vicinity of Ebusus, which is considered elsewhere an unclean fish, and can nowhere be thoroughly cooked wherever found without being first beaten with a stick. In Aquitania, again, the river salmon is preferred to all the fish that swim in the sea. CHAPTER Thirty Three, GILLS AND SCALES Some fishes have numerous gills, others again single ones, others double. It is by means of these that they discharge the water that has entered the mouth. A sign of old age is the hardness of the scales, which are not alike in all. There are two lakes of Italy at the foot of the Alps called Larius and Verbenus, in which there are to be seen every year, at the rising of the Virgili, a fish remarkable for the number of their scales, and the exceeding sharpness of them, strongly resembling hobnails in appearance. These fish, however, are only to be seen during that month, and no longer. CHAPTER Thirty Four: FISHES WHICH HAVE A VOICE, FISHES WITHOUT GILLS Arcadia produces a wonder in its fish called Exocetus, from the fact that it comes ashore to sleep. In the neighborhood of the river Clitorius, this fish is said to be gifted with powers of speech, and to have no gills. By some writers it is called the Adonis. CHAPTER Thirty Five: FISHES WHICH COME ON LAND THE PROPER TIME FOR CATCHING FISH Those fish, which are also known by the name of sea-mice, as well as the polypi and the murena, are in the habit of coming ashore. Besides which, there is in the rivers of India one kind that does this, and then leaps back again into the water, for they are found to pass over into standing waters and streams. Most fishes have an evident instinct which teaches them where to spawn in safety, as in such places there are no enemies found to devour their young, while at the same time the waves are much less violent. It will be still more a matter of surprise to find that they thus have an appreciation of cause and effect and understand the regular recurrence of periods, when we reflect how few persons there are that know that the most favorable time for taking fish is while the sun is passing through the sign of Pisces. CHAPTER Thirty Six: CLASSIFICATION OF FISHES ACCORDING TO THE SHAPE OF THE BODY Some sea-fish are flat, such, for instance, as the rhombus, the sole, and the sea-sparrow, which last only differs from the rhombus in the lateral position of the body. The rhombus lies with the right side upwards, while in the sea-sparrow the left side is uppermost. Some sea-fish, again, are long, as the morena and the conger. CHAPTER Thirty Seven: THE FINS OF FISH AND THEIR MODE OF SWIMMING Hence it is that there is a difference also in the fins of fish which have been given them to serve in place of feet, none having more than four, some two only, and others none. It is in Lake Fusinus only that there is a fish found that has eight fins for swimming. Those fishes which are long and slimy have only two at most, such, for instance, as eels and congers. Others, again, have none, such as the murena, which is also without gills. All these fish make their way in the sea by an undulatory motion of the body, just as serpents do on land. 
On dry land, also, they are able to crawl along, and hence those of this nature are more long-lived than the others. Some of the flat fish, also, have no fins. The pastinaceae, for instance, for these swim broadwise. Those, also, which are known as the soft fish, such as the polypi, for their feet, serve them instead of fins. End of section 30 Recording by Bill Borst